Buckle up and get ready, because your weekly news wrap awaits. It's time for Rush Hour with Amukta and Nicole. Hello and welcome back to Rush Hour. I'm Nicole. And I'm Amukta. And like we promised, that is our new show opener, so hope you enjoyed. We have a news-filled week today and um, yeah, we just got to get through a lot of news, so we're just going to jump right in. Amukta, do you want to take the first story? Yeah, so you've probably heard about this already. Um, But after the week-long truce between Hamas and the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, uh, combat operations on behalf of the IDF actually have been resumed after they accused Hamas of violating the truce by firing rockets first towards Israel. Um, And if you haven't heard about the truce, it was, like I said, um, a week long where there was an exchange of hostages and prisoners from both sides. So it was a time of no war, no um, attacks from both of the sides. But now that the IDF claims that um, that kind of truce has been breached just a little bit too early, the the war, the fighting has uh, resumed again. Um, but the truce was first initiated so Israel could trade 240 Palestinian prisoners in Israel for 110 women, children, and foreign nationals, um, Israelis, that were taken hostage by Hamas. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu claimed that Hamas didn't respect its side of the truce and didn't release all the abducted women and also sent rockets towards the citizens of Israel. And apparently there are still 137 Israeli people. This was outside the the hostage deal. So additionally, 137 Israeli people being held hostage in Gaza, including two children under 18. And a majority of these people um, are men with only like 20 women or something. Yeah. That's interesting. I know that I reported on um, some something a few weeks ago that was talking about how they were going to take daily pauses in fighting. And um, I'm not sure. I guess if they were trying to take a whole week-long break, like that wouldn't be um, still implemented. But I think it's interesting that both sides are working to try and to try and stop the fighting and like have a ceasefire but i but it's also like interesting how clearly they aren't stopping but like i don't know if they want to i'm not really sure like what's going on i think i need to be a little bit more educated to speak deeply about this topic but yeah there's so much stuff happening every day so many so many news sources so many different news sources too um it's definitely a good idea to try and be educated but it can also be a little bit difficult with the different kinds of information that come at you. And since we live in a country that supports Israel, naturally we're going to get more pro-Israel um, stories rather than like pro, uh, pro-Palestinian pro stories. And then people living in other places that support Palestine, like um, Iran, would get more pro-Palestine stories. So it's just, it's just based on more perspective at this point, I think, um, based on where you're living. And so it can, it can be hard to get the facts. So... Try try and be like as well rounded as you possibly can when knowing when trying to figure out information about all of these events. Right. I think that is one of the most important things. Um and then moving on to another country that is at war right now, but this doesn't actually have to do anything with the war. Um, but Russia's Supreme Court yesterday declared the international LGBTQ plus rights movement an extremist organization. 
And um, this came in the latest and most severe legal move against LGBTQ activism in the country. So the justice ministry accused multiple organizations of inciting social and religious discord. And so they made a new law that bans that bans some sort of vaguely defined LGBTQ movement um, that doesn't formerly exist. So there's a bit of confusion on what exactly the law is around. Um, but And then it is also because of that, it's unknown how it will be enforced. But some are fearing and speculating that any LGBTQ plus person or organization could be persecuted and punished with jail time. And this is a big deal because... Um, the punishment of some of Russia's anti-extremism laws are um, up to 12 years in jail. So there could be a lot of a lot of people um, with significant imprisonment. Um, and earlier this year, there was a ban on LGBTQ propaganda as well as a ban on transgender transitions. So this is definitely not the first case that has happened in the country. It is definitely continuous, and this is just the most extreme. Thing that they've done so far um but yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of support still for the uh, queer community in russia a lot of independent russian media organizations because some of them are with the government but independent ones have displayed the um, lgbtq plus flag on their social media um and yeah so there still is some support within civilians but putin is taking a more conservative approach approach with his newest campaign and he's calling this movement western and he is very anti-lgbtq um well just just knowing like russia's history with these kinds of issues i'd say it's not unexpected that this is happening but i also think it's funny how you mentioned that um uh lgbtq plus organizations and people are considered like extremism and so that's yeah i was about to make a comment on that as well because we when we think of russia we think of like the country and the politics itself as extremist they obviously have a different definition Mm -hmm. and it seems like they're like trying to fight their version of extremism with like extreme punishment it's so contradictory like yeah it is a little (laughs) ironic now that i'm now that you're mentioning that yeah the punishment and everything that is definitely ironic and i don't know i don't know if i should say hypocritical but like yeah punishing extremism with extremism like <laughs> that doesn't make the most sense but um i'm i'm just happy to see that there's still like supporters in the country and organizations that are still working to yeah show their support and um despite despite the government's rulings but yeah yeah. to see the people taking a stand right and we will see later how how um this this law will affect society what the actual punishments will be um and it could cause a lot of backlash and could cause um the country to go awry not that it isn't already with the war but it could further um things with different sides but yeah so that is all we have for our big stories today and now we're going we have some speed news for you um and starting right off 
the United States representative and New York congressman, George Santos, is facing the threat of being kicked out after receiving criminal charges of fraud, as well as very as being criticized for very questionable ethics. That is interesting. I have another piece of speed news that's also on politics. The first woman on the Supreme Court, Sandra Day O'Connor, has passed away at age 93. Um, This is from complications from dementia. Um, But yeah, she was definitely in the Supreme Court in a very critical time for um, uh, feminist activism. And yeah, she has a legacy if you want to search her up and see. I heard she was a trailblazer for, like, um, feminism throughout history. Right, right. Um, next, uh, this is a little bit away from the from politics we were just discussing, but keep a lookout for new cars because Elon Musk's new car, the Tesla Cybertruck, is almost out. It's going to be shipped to locations in Texas, I believe, soon. And um, if you've seen photos of this car, it's, it's very interesting. So keep a lookout for it. I really, I honestly want a Cybertruck. <laughs> I, like, my dad really needs a new car, and just, we were, like, discussing. And I was like, guys, he should get a Cybertruck. Like, that would be so cool to just be driving around. Because it looks like a spaceship. It does. It looks like one of those Mars rovers. Exactly. And that actually is a great segue into our last piece of speed news. Astronomers have observed a rare instance of a solar system in the Milky Way, whose planets orbit in sync around their host star, um, which is rare because most of the time, as you know, at least for our solar system, every planet has a different like speed. And for most solar systems, for every three orbit one planet makes around the central star, the next planet will make two orbits and so on because they're farther away and just moving at different speeds. But this one, every single planet is in sync, so... That is a new scientific discovery. That's really cool. Yeah, I know. It's like, you don't think about it. Like, if I were to say, like, oh, they're moving in sync. Like, that doesn't really, like, sound cool. (laughs) But if you really think about it, like, it is Mm -hmm. a really rare and cool discovery. And now... That is it for our speed news. Very Very speedy. speedy. Exactly. (laughs) Um, We're going to end the news today with some good news. Um, I will start off with the help of some volunteers. A Brazilian couple has planted 2 million trees in 20 years to restore 1,500 acres of a destroyed forest to a wildlife haven in Brazil. So this couple is photojournalist Sebastião Salgado, Salgado, probably pronounced that wrong, but... (laughs) He's actually a photojournalist who has documented some of the most like dramatic events of like misery in the 20th century. Um, so his work is actually really interesting, and I recommend looking up that. Um, and then also he was doing this with his wife, Lilia. And with the new ecosystem that they've planted, the insects and birds and fish have returned to this land. Um, and Salgado Salgado says that he has felt reborn as well by seeing this land flourish um, as when they started, only about 0.5% of the land had trees. Um, and then also, just to add on, the wife, Lilia, has also founded Instituto Terra, which focuses on environmental restoration and sustainable rural development in the 
Rio Doce Valley of Southeast Brazil. So if you are interested in donating or just learning more about it, you can visit institutoterra.org or you can even visit the reserve if you're ever interested in going to Brazil. Wow. Okay. This is like really relevant. Well, most news stories are relevant, but this one is like <laughs> relevant, relevant because I was just reading a story about um, uh, climate change and how it's like worse than ever in 2023 um, into like that negative spiral of events. And one of the main main issues was um, deforestation. So this is actually very timely, and I'm I'm glad we we got to hear about this today. Yeah, especially in Brazil with the Amazon rainforest, there's been so much deforestation there, and it's really been hurting the ecosystem, um, specifically in that area and that country. So it's really nice to hear of a new story about the forests there, of them some being restored. So, yeah, I did think that that was a really good piece of news. And kind of nature-related as well. It's another animal story. Um like I like to use <laughs> yes. the forest. Um, but the world's oldest living large land animal, which is a tortoise named Jonathan, just celebrated his 191st birthday, outliving a lot of humans. <laughs> and living on the island of St. Helena, Jonathan received a Guinness World Record um, for his birthday. <laughs> he was apparently first brought to St. Helena from the Seychelles in 1882. And at that point, they his exact age wasn't known, but they... You know, through tests, they found out that he was at least 50 years old, which means now he's at least nine, 191 years old, but he could be a little bit older. That's insane. Being from, like, 18, the 1820s, how much history has he lived through? Like, all, like, the Civil War, like, all, every, <laughs> everything. Oh, my everything, gosh. Yeah. That's, that's insane. Both world wars. Both world wars, yeah, every war in America besides <laughs> the revolution. Like that's that's really wild to yeah. think about. Oh my gosh. Yeah, how much history has that been? Like everything happened in the past two hundred years. Um wow, that is a really good piece of news. Um that is all we have for our news today, but we are gonna have one more segment. Um we are not going to be talking in that segment. Well, I am. It's an interview, but we're going to say, um, explain it now because we won't be back. Um, but it's basically, I did an interview of a student at Western Washington University. His name is G. Kelly, and he's an advocate with an organization called Students Demand Action, which takes youth voices to advocate for gun control. And they work with um, the government, state, state legislature, to create yeah gun regulations um, to help keep communities safe. So um, I interviewed him on the organization, what he's doing, how you can get involved and help, and that will be our next segment. And then also, it's only six minutes, um, but if you would like to hear the full the full interview, you can find it on our podcast. Shout out to the Rush Hour podcast. It's on all your streaming platforms. You can see this whole episode, um, but you can also find that full interview. Um, it's called Students Demand Action with G. Kelly. So just if you're interested, that's where that's at. And yeah, so that's all we have for you today. Um, you will hear that, but you will not hear 
Amukla's voice again. We will not. Sadly. <laughs> this is very sad. We won't be doing an outro after that. So we will see you next Friday. Um, and yeah, we hope you enjoy the interview. Gun violence is the leading cause of death for children and teens in the United States. As more and more mass shootings happen nationwide, the younger generation of America has taken it upon themselves to make a change. Students Demand Action is an organization that aims to reduce gun violence by using youth forces to advocate for gun control. Today, I am joined by G. Kelly, a student at Western Washington University and an activist with Students Demand Action. G, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So I would just like to start off by hearing your story and what inspired you to join Students Demand Action. In 2018, the Parkland shooting happened. And very soon after that, a high school in my hometown also had a mass shooting. And I realized that the people who represent me weren't doing anything about it. And I was like, well, I have to do something about it. And can you explain just the primary goals and objectives of the organization? Yeah. So like it said, Students Demand Action is a nonprofit organization that is trying to end gun violence in every town, whether that is education, teaching people how to store guns safely, gun sense bills, making people having to do safety trainings, having to have a license, having that 10 day waiting period and seeing that these forms of bills do prevent not only mass shootings, but just overall all gun violence and that these have had real, you know, studied effects that save people's lives. And so Students Demand Action and especially the people that I work with, we've realized that if not now, then when, because it's come to a point, not if the next mass shooting, but when the next mass shooting is going to happen. And we're doing everything in our power to stop that. How does Students Demand Action engage and mobilize young people in advocating for this change? I think it's it's one of those parts because we are one of the demographics that get affected the most. Every year, 19,000 children and teens are shot or killed by, you know, gun violence. And people our age have started to be like, we're so desensitized to it and we genuinely feel like we can't do anything about it. And Students Demand Action is not asking everyone to go lobby in D.C., but they give you the resources and tools to at least be able to talk about it and to process these really hard things that we become so numb to. Coming from your point of view, why do you think it's important to work with local communities and not just focusing on national scales? Working with the local community is something that you see real effort and change in quickly. And you have to start with the small to achieve the big. When you start off with, hey, I'm going to see if we can get a 10-day waiting period for Whatcom County to get passed. That makes real change in real time. And it's something that is a quick and achievable goal. It's something that shows the community that you're here for them. You obviously are focusing on gun control, but then also I've noticed that the organization addresses the intersectionality of gun violence with other issues like racial justice and gender equality and mental health and things like that. Why is it important to consider these intersections in your work? 
is important because it affects real people. And you have to understand that the, you know, white experience with gun violence is never going to be the same as the BIPOC experience with gun violence or, you know, the queer experience with gun violence. If we generalize and we group everyone together, that's painting one color on top of a very complex and deeper issue. And we have created these affinity spaces for specific people to be able to talk about it within Students Demand Action. We have affinity groups for individuals who hold those identities to be able to have those complex and nuanced conversations about it because we have to do more change than just gun sense bills. It doesn't just stop at the system. It has to continue to the personal. And if anyone's listening and wants to make this difference, how can they get involved with Students Demand Action and just gun control in general? Students Demand Action has 150 different ways that you can get involved. If you want to text STUDENTS, all caps, to 64433, that will send you a text on how to get involved. You can also look up studentsdemandaction.org, and it has a bunch of different ways you can get involved, finding local groups in your areas, how to start local groups, toolkits. There's also ways where you don't have to become a club leader, which it could be simply as calling your representatives or emailing your representatives. There's a really great app you can get called Five Star, which is basically a way to contact your five representatives of state, senate, and congress, and you can continue to talk to these people and have real correspondence. But at the end of the day, talking to your family members about it or talking to your friends about these issues is incredibly important. You don't have to do everything to make a change. Well, thank you for all of your work and for speaking with me today. If you would like to get involved with Students Demand Action, you can text STUDENTS to 64433, and you can also go to action.org. Again, I'm Nicole Henderson speaking with G. Kelly, and you're listening to KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. (laughs) 